Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my podcast who are executive producers, Candace Sanderson, author of Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing Protection Magic. Um, my binaural production engineer, Damien Keller author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in becoming a contributor to this podcast, just go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Sky Alexander. Thank you for being on today. Thank you for having me, Gary. Yeah, your books have been a huge inspiration on me. I started reading tarot cards when I was young. And um, some of the first books I read, the first one I think I read was Eden Gray. I think this was pretty much everybody's first book on that. And um, and I'm going to say, guys, your books were like maybe like the third book I've read on it. And... um, you know, it was the first time that I really started to, one, look at the astrology in the cards and mm-hmm. also kind of look at the journey through the trumps, too. Right. Yeah, the fool's journey. Yeah. That was like the first time I was ever exposed to that. Uh, mm-hmm. now, now everybody sort of writes about it, but I think you were definitely one of the first. Well, of course, it's the journey from innocence to wisdom and each of the trump cards, each of the ones in the major arcana show a different step toward uh, that end result of wisdom. Yeah. At one time, of course, people believed that, and I think this is probably true, there were only the major arcana cards and then the minors were added later. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And then like in a regular playing deck, they're like removed. I'm sorry, say that again? In a regular deck of cards, there are no, the trumps are not in there. Well, no, they're not. Uh, um, And the thought is that um, the minor arcana cards did come from a type of game, Tarachi, um, a card game, not like ones necessarily that we play today, but they were a game of sorts. Interesting. Um, Does anybody know who actually created the cards? Well, nobody exactly knows where the tarot came from. Of course, there are thousands of creators of different individual decks, but there's a lot of dispute about where the cards actually came from. We know that they were in use during the Renaissance in in Europe. Um, some people say that they were brought from Egypt by the Romani people, or some people say that they uh, existed a long time before that maybe as much as a thousand years or so before we uh, actually have recorded history about them. Hmm. How did these sort of become a staple in um, the the witch community or the natural religions? 
I think that probably many people in the witchcraft community or in the magical community are interested in being able to get in better touch with our subconscious, with our spiritual guides, uh, with our higher knowledge, if you will. And the tarot cards, in my opinion, are probably the best way to do that because they are so, um, so visual that they trigger those insights and those uh, intuitive understandings that we may not necessarily reach consciously. All right. And, and it uses, in my opinion, a whole lot of different ways to do that. It uses, you know, archetypes. It uses astrology. It uses sacred geometry um, and, you know, colors, vibration. There's so many aspects to how it works. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's a very complex oracle. Yeah. Um, when did you start getting involved with it? Oh, probably about 25 years ago, maybe. And was, was it easy for you to just pick up or did it take a lot of study for you? took some study. <laughs> I um, started out by just taking one card a day. At breakfast, I'd pull a card and then read about that and study it and see how it materialized throughout the day for me. Um, and yeah, it, it took quite a few months before I felt comfortable using it. Did you Do you, do you go with the idea of memorizing the definitions or the meanings of every card or intuitively just pick up i use both i recommend to people who are just starting out that they start by just using their intuition just pull a card what does it say to you what do the colors feel like what do the uh, images on the deck um, bring up for you and then if you want to check and see what several different authors of books you like may say about it and that'll engage both your intuition and your intellect. Right. I know for me, I started, God, I was young. I must have been like 11 or 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I pretty much, have, I mean, I had to kind of rely on my intuition at that time because there wasn't that many books on it back then. Mm-hmm. Is, is that one of the things that made you want to write a book is the fact that there just wasn't many out there? No, actually, I think there were quite a few out there when I started. I was a lot older than you when I started it. Um, but it appealed to me. I, Because I'm also an artist as well as a writer, the, the imagery really struck me. And I felt that that was something that I preferred to, let's say, the runes, for example, which mm-hmm. to me are not quite as graphically appealing. Right. And it just it's also has more... Well, there are more cards. I mean, you know, 78 cards versus, you know, maybe 22 to 25 runes. Yeah. So there are, are a lot more possibilities that you can come up with. Yeah. Um, how did it, did, do you believe that the card, oh, I mean, using the cards for like magic, can that be done? Like like using cards for, for spells and things like that? Absolutely. I do it all the time. In fact, um, my... The book that, I don't know if this is one that you have. You just hold it up. This is the... Yep, um, I have that one. That has a whole section in it about using tarot cards for spell work. Cool. Yeah, how does that say, work? The easiest ways is just that by 
visualizing whatever it is that the card symbolizes for you in terms of what the purpose of the spell might be. You know, that's a very simple way to use them. Let's say you um, want to do a love spell. You might pick the two of cups or the mm. lover's card or something else that resonates with you and just visualize that or focus on the card while you're doing the spell or put it on your altar or uh, someplace where you can see it while you're doing the spell work. Cool. Very interesting. Well, when doing the spell work, is it necessary to have like a sacred space with candles and cast a circle or can it just be done informally? It can be done very informally. Uh, I think that all of the tools just create an ambiance and help you to focus your mind, but you don't need any tools at all. Everything you need is right there within you to do spell work. And I find that sometimes beginning uh, magic workers like to have a lot of those tools just because it does help them to get in the mood and it helps them to keep their minds on what they're doing. But those of us who have been at this for a while may not feel it's necessary to have any tools at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say me personally, I probably, I mean, now I don't use anything except the cards themselves, <laughs> you know. Um, plus, it's, it's a lot less uh, set up and clean up time, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, I sometimes like having candles just because they're pretty mm -hmm. or flowers on my altar or something like that. But um, you can do spells just as effectively just sitting on your back porch and having nothing around you at all. I mean, no tools, no, um, no pentagrams, no anything. Mm -hmm. The cards can also be used as like amulets and talisman too, correct? Draw cards? Yeah. Sure, you can use them. Um, well, one of the th two ways that I like to use them is to pick one or more that are representative of whatever the spell I'm doing or whatever the ritual I'm doing involves and set it face up uh, on my altar, on dining table, windowsill, whatever, and place a crystal on it. Mm -hmm. and the crystal will absorb the uh, energy and magnify the energy of the card and help once again to focus that or direct it. Uh, another way is just to put a glass of water on the card and the water will, the image will be imprinted into the water. And then you can drink the water or you can use it in some other way. That's interesting. I never thought of that. I don't have to give that a try. <laughs> um, so how like how did you um, get into like the witchcraft part of all of this? Like were you raised in a pagan religion or were you brought up in like a, a different religion and then switch over? No, I was brought up Methodist. Yeah, I wasn't. Um, but I felt from the time that I was a little girl that I had some uh, connection with the magical world, with the natural world, with spirits. You know, I had what some people call imaginary friends when I was little, but to me, those were spirit guides who were with me. And um, the Christian religion never really took with me. It was just what you had to do. Um, but as soon as I was able to go out on my own, I moved very quickly into um, metaphysical subjects and other types of spiritual practices. 
I actually started reading astrology when I was 11. 11 is a very powerful time in your life. That's when you started looking at tarot cards, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, that's when you have what astrologers call your Jupiter return. And that means that the planet Jupiter has made a complete cycle through your birth chart and returned to the place it occupied at your birth. And Jupiter is the planet of expansion, of um, journeying into other realms of knowledge and wisdom and uh, long distance travel. It's just, it's a card, I mean, a um, planet of opening up. And so when you get to the return cycle, and that happens every 11 years approximately, it's a time of expansion for you, personal growth, spiritual growth. Um, Sometimes it is growth in the, in the, material world or education it's usually a time though when you really do notice that you are uh on an accelerated path to gaining more wisdom and more knowledge and more experiences wow i wasn't aware of that i'm terrible at astrology unconsciously that's why you picked up those cards (laughs) but yeah that's pretty cool because that that explains you know this does the, the weird cycles of life, how everything just sort of just comes around and, and just kind of, you no, know, for me, life just sort of moves like in a spiral motion, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's a good um, way of describing it. Yeah. How, how about like, like how does nature itself, like nature seems very organic and almost scientific. How does that connect to the metaphysical? Well, I mean, we're all part of the same oneness. It's, mm-hmm. You know, we can't separate ourselves from nature. Even if you live in a city, you still have the elements and the, um, you know, the world that you live in is part of you. You can't separate yourself from that. Um, going out into nature and physically walking in the woods or sitting beside the ocean or uh, any of that sort of thing can certainly elevate your connection with it or make your connection with it stronger. And you may be able then, if you want to, to incorporate that into the type of magic that you do. I mean, there are a lot of people who do, um, who focus on natural magic, uh, particularly a lot of green witches and healers who work with herbs and other types of plants. Um, For them, perhaps it's um, a stronger connection or more important to them than it might be for someone who does more intellectual type of magic rather than more uh, earth magic. Mm-hmm. But do you also does all, do you think all magic sort of has its roots in like a sh- shamanic traditions? Um, I think that probably under, underlying it, yes. Although there, uh, if you're thinking of of shamanic uh, work as being journeying into other realms of existence and interacting with um, the different levels of being, then I'm not sure everybody would say that that's what they do or that's where their inspiration comes from. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't think we can separate ourselves, really. So, yeah, even if you're not doing magic that takes you on journeys to other parts of the universe or journeys into the center of the earth and i think you're still working with that energy anyway or the energy is still present right with the nature like one of your, your most recent books is about working with fairies um are fairies essentially nature spirits that you know 
like my, my always my first understanding of them was like that's what their job was was sort of like they're the energy or the intelligence behind things like plants and animals and stuff like that. There are a lot of fairies who are nature nature spirits um, who do um, protect and nurture the plants and the animals and the birds and yes, that's a very that is one part of. Um, the fairy kingdom or the fairy world. There are also in mythology fairies of fate, and those, um, according to legends, appear at the birth of a baby and then guide the um, the persons throughout his or her life. And they will, at the birth of the child, uh, perhaps tell the parents what's likely to happen with that child as it grows, what its purpose is on earth, and that sort of thing. Uh, there, there are a whole lot of different types of fairies. The misconception that fairies are like Tinkerbell yeah. um, is completely, that's completely erroneous. There are all types of fairies. Some of them are tiny little creatures like the Tinkerbell image, but others are larger than humans. And every culture has its own different fairies that are part of their um, tradition. And some of them are pretty weird. Hmm. Would Jin uh, be considered a fairy? Some people would, yes, call them that, absolutely. Yeah. And Their have, spirit, and mm -hmm. it, it depends. You can take the definition to incorporate a whole lot of entities. Right. Uh, in a broad sense, mermaids could be considered that. They're uh, from the Undine Kingdom, mm -hmm. uh, the Un Undine Queendom, whatever. And... Um, so yes, all of those different creatures can be considered fairies. And in my books, I, I do um, include them in a wide, uh, wide range of different types of beings rather than focusing only on one particular type. Do you f feel that, that there's sometimes too much emphasis on categorizing different types of spirit realms and spirits? Um, you mean spirit realms such as the such as like 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 fairies, and then some people will say like uh, spirit guides. Other people will categorize like the Enochian angels or spirit animals. It's all these different categories of, of different entities, um, and it seems like sometimes, like to me, it is they're, they're all sort of in the same place. I, th I think of them as being different types of energy and mm -hmm. having different um, purposes for their existence, for our relationships with them. Um, but there's, there's obviously some overlap in where, where we all live. I mean, I'm not sure that the angels always stay in their little realm and the fairies stay in their little realm. I mean, they do have, in my opinion at least, homes or places of their where their energy um, is appropriate to that particular level of existence uh, but yeah they they obviously cross over into our realm don't mm -hmm. they yeah so i see why they couldn't cross over into each other's as well do you think that there's a hierarchy where there's like ones at the top and below that and below that and below that or do you think they're just all inter intermingle basically kind of like the way humans do uh, we have hierarchies here too. Oh yeah, we do. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. I, I, 
there are hierarchies, <laughs> yes. And I do think that there are orders of magnitude, orders of power and um, knowledge and capabilities within all of these different segments, all these different spiritual worlds. Not that I know what those are, but I, I do th think that that they're not all the same. Mm -hmm. With fairy magic, I've heard different things about casting circles. I've heard um, one of the ideas that heard, things I've heard is like if you're doing a ritual for fairy magic, you actually will not want to cast a circle because you want them to come in. Right. Is that, that, is, that is pretty commonly accepted as far as I understand it. Uh, if you do want them to come in, of course, if you don't want them, and there are reasons for both, uh, both wanting them or not wanting them to work with you, you would cast a circle around you to keep them out. Because they can be disruptive. They have their own agendas. Um, most of them are tricksters, and they don't necessarily have the codes of ethics or the moralities that we might have. That doesn't mean they don't have their own codes, mm -hmm. but they may not subscribe to ours. And in fact, they probably don't. So you may want to work with them, but it's always a little bit of a risk. You right. have to be careful. <laughs> Are fairies the reason I can never find a matching pair of socks? <laughs> well, uh, they, recent, they do take stuff. They recently stole my favorite pair of earrings. And, and so I talked to them and said, I want the earrings back, and I will trade you these earrings for those. Um, and... After a while, they brought back one earring, but they didn't bring back the other one yet. And a friend of mine who um, knows more about this than I do said, well, you can't just give them any old earrings that you don't want anymore. You have to give them something good that they really want and that means something to you or else they're not going to take this seriously. <laughs> so they're fussy. Well, they don't see um, a concept of ownership the way we do. So they see earrings lying out on my dresser that they think are pretty. They just snap them up. They don't care. Mm -hmm. it's, as far as they're concerned, they're there for the taking. What do you think they're doing with your earrings? Do they wear them? What do I think they're doing with them? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're wearing them. You know what? <laughs> I wonder what they're doing with my socks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is this <laughs> Trade them something else for your socks if you want. If you want that particular pair back, <laughs> it's just funny the whole hiding things. Like I just like what? Like, I don't know if they do that to people to uh, if they're trying to tell us something that's important, or if it's just a prank that they just kind of get both their kicks off of. Yeah, I think both are true. They sometimes do it just for a prank. Um, they like to mess with us. I think also sometimes they want that, particularly crystals. I find they steal crystals a lot. Um, or like my earrings, they, make, they like jewelry. They like flashy stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes I think it's something they just want. But they may be trying to get our attention. They may be trying to get us particularly to um, pay attention to what we're doing that's disturbing them or disturbing their environment. Hmm. With all the destruction that we're doing to nature, does that bother them, you think? Yes, absolutely. Um, I always recommend that if you're going to be working plant magic with the fairies 
or with other spirits too. Uh, make sure that you're using organic plant material or wild crafted or wild picked um, plants. Don't give them any GMOs. They're really not going to like that at all. <laughs> and pesticides are obviously poison. They don't want yeah. that in their world. They don't want us destroying their little babies and their creatures and their, uh, you know, the plants and the animals that they take such good care of. Hmm. So don't put Roundup around your yard. You know, you got if you've got weeds, at least try vinegar instead or something that's natural. But um, yeah, I think they're very disturbed about what we do with our world and that they are upset with a lot of the technology that we're bringing in, the uh, frequencies that are alien to them and disruptive to the, the pace and the, the um, energetic vibrations of their realm. Uh, I don't think they're very happy with us about that. But I think that also this gives people who are witches or shamans or people who do magic work in the nature kingdom or the nature, natural worlds an opportunity to, um, to partner with the fairies because we need each other. They need us to stop messing up the world and we need them to help us to um, make connections to the world we live in. Do you think there was a time when humans and fairies sort of lived together and then he sort of broke off? When who lived together with the fairies? Us, the humans. Us? Like, like there was a time like when yeah. we were all sort of together and we're able, like almost like in the same realm or, or shared, could go back and forth. And then mm -hmm. at some point there was a break. Like like they said, we like they said, no, 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 you, you guys, guys, got you guys got, you humans got to go. Yeah, well, I think that at earlier times, of course, human beings lived closer to the earth. We were more aware of the cycles of nature and we were more in touch with the non-physical entities, the non-physical realms that are, um, sorry, um, the non-physical realms that many of us are not aware of anymore. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, a lot of that probably happened, the separation happened as we became um, more industrialized, the industrial revolution changed the way we lived and the way that we interacted with the natural world. And we've been moving in that direction ever since. So also as science uh, became more elevated and more revered, we stopped believing in things that science couldn't, uh, couldn't prove or that we couldn't necessarily touch, measure, quantify in some way. And, you know, the fairies have um, probably moved away from us and moved back into their realms and kind of left us to our own devices. Mm -hmm. But we still need them because without them, we're not able to, but without plants and nature and the mm -hmm. energy that they use to sustain the earth, we can't survive. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that, um, people are waking up to now, which is why there's an increased interest in the last decade or so in fairy magic. And, the, um, you know, there's a whole branch of fairy witchcraft and fairy wicca. And, uh, people are certainly gaining knowledge and sharing knowledge and working more in this direction. We do need them and they need us. Hmm. What did he need they us? They get along better without us than we would get yeah, along. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wonder, like, like, what did he need us for? <laughs> you know, to, so that we will stop destroying the world. Yeah. So we'll stop polluting everything and stop 
cutting down the rainforests and, you know. Or maybe he just needs to have somebody to play jokes on. Well, I think they, I th my opinion is that they both like doing that. Mm -hmm. But as you said earlier, too, that um, that may be a way of getting back at us or getting our attention or um, just showing us what they can do. Because they are very powerful creatures and our ancestors knew that. I mean, they believed not only did they control all of nature and they, they controlled the weather. So if there was a uh, an issue with a big storm or a drought or something, the fairies were responsible in the minds of our ancestors. Hmm. So, yeah, that would be, um, I mean, that's a huge problem now is weather. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you think that um, if more people connect with them, they would actually be able to assist us with some of the climate change issues? I think if we were to connect with them and realize uh, what impact we're having and how this affects everything, not just our little immediate place that we live. Um, yeah, I think that it would give, it would be a wake-up call for us and that we would probably do a better job than we're doing now. And maybe we could work with them and um, gain some insight into different things that we can do beyond what we know we should do. Do you think that science and uh, spirituality is starting to come around to the idea that um, there are other conscious entities existing um, around us that not, we are not able to perceive, especially with so many advancements like in quantum physics and studies in consciousness? Well, certainly quantum physics, yes, does um, show also how um, our how we impact the world around us in just with our thinking and with our uh, our perceptions but uh, certainly spirituality um, the kind of spirituality that you and I are talking about not necessarily organized religion right. um, yes certainly there is has been a tremendous amount of expansion in that that direction um, certainly in my lifetime and your lifetime. Yeah, it's been huge. Uh, you know, science probably will come around, but it's a lot slower to do that because that's just, it's it's more mechanistic. Mm -hmm. Although with the recent uh, interest in UFOs and that type of thing, perhaps this will, you know, cause science to look at this a little bit broader. But when you think about how many galaxies are out there, how many stars are in our own galaxy and how many uh, solar systems are out there. It's, it almost seems completely ridiculous to think there aren't other entities, oh, other yeah. intelligent life forms. Yeah, I think it's silly not to think that. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of that, um, do you think that um, humans are able to interact with... Um, I mean, I guess like in old magic too, even like people would be using planetary gods in their mm -hmm. magic, which isn't really it's that much different than using like an extraterrestrial, would it? Well, I'm I'm not quite sure um, because obviously there are all kinds of extraterrestrials. I mean, we tend to think of them as the little gray guys with the big eyes, you know, the ETs, but they're but their spirit realm. Yeah. 
I just never really made that connection. It's interesting. I just, it just sort of popped into my head. Like, I don't, you know, cause I do a lot of interviews with people who say they telepathically communicate with, with these uh, star beings and they don't have, they all live sort of in the astral realm. Mm-hmm. And I never really connected that to the idea of how in like, you know, old magic, the connected to astrological types of spirits. So maybe it's the same thing. Yeah, well, at one time people believed that the deities actually did live Mm -hmm. on planets. So Jupiter really did live on that planet. Venus really did live on her planet. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, So which... uh, uh, um, what is the difference between some of the nature religions that are out there, like like Wicca and Druidism and gardener witches? What are the differences between them? Mm-hmm. Well, there are lots of that would take a long time, I think. But um, well, Wicca, of course, is not the same as witchcraft. Um, Wiccans practice witchcraft, but not all witches are Wiccan, and uh-huh. Wicca is actually a relatively new spiritual path. It was begun in the mid-50s, mid-1950s. But witchcraft has been around for thousands of years, maybe millions of years, I don't know. Uh, And everybody practices, well, witches come in all different flavors, if you will. So Mm -hmm. you could have Native American witches, you could have uh, Egyptian witches, Asian witches. I mean, and you do. Uh, Wicca is just the one that seems to be particularly popular here in the West at this time. Yeah. And it may be because it's easy. Um, And it's something that has a distinctive uh, feminine energy to it. And a lot of women, um, particularly young women, are seeking for a spiritual path that speaks to them and that empowers women and that uh, reveres a feminine deity which is not the case with most of the world's religions they're all patriarchal yeah 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 it's definitely one thing that lacks in all the uh the abrahamic religions is uh the female influence mm-hmm. yeah so i think that's part of the reason that it has gained so much popularity just in the last 20 years i get a lot of letters well actually mostly emails uh, or texts but uh, communications from young women who um, are really very, very interested. And that seems to be the um, the largest number of my readers fall into the 18 to 35 age bracket. Hmm. Witchcraft um, is such a broad term. Mm-hmm. I, I've, like I, I've interviewed so many people that have practiced different types of earth magic from all around the world, Amazonian, African, Native American, um, voodoo, hoodoo, all mm-hmm. kinds of um, hexcraft. There's all types of these, these local um, folk magic, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, like witchcraft, it, it, does, does witchcraft basically cover all those aspects? I think so. I mean, witchcraft is the practice of working magic. So you, it, it is manifesting uh, your intent. So it isn't necessarily a spiritual belief. Uh, it's the practice. Hmm. 
So it's all about directing intention. Is it all about intention? Yeah. You said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, um, for example, one of the one of the main ideas in Wicca is to do no harm, do no harm. but that's not necessarily the case in other uh, paths of witchcraft. Right. Does uh, why is that? Like, like, is there like is is Wicca concerned about karma? I think so. Um, I think that we realize that uh, what goes around comes around. And there's the idea of the rule of three, that whatever you put out there will come back to you threefold. Mm -hmm. So um, Wiccans generally try not to do harm. We try to uh, not manipulate others for our own personal gain, that sort of thing. It doesn't mean we don't slip up. We do. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's not necessarily um, something that we seek to do. Whereas in some traditions, it's it's considered okay to um, harness detrimental forces in order to harm someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, Wicca and witchcraft, is there ever any types of like shadow work, like where you're kind of working with some of the darker aspects of yourself or darker entities? to try to bring about, you know, like um, change, a spiritual yeah. change, try to bring some light into some of the darkness by bringing some of the darkness out into the light. Yes, indeed. And there also are um, people who believe that um, you need to be able to, you need to know how to curse, you know how, how to put a hex out there in order to be able to deal with it when it, when and if it comes your way from some other place. Mm-hmm. So, what exactly is, can a person accidentally curse another person? Can they accidentally? Yes, most of the, I think most of the time that is what happens. Um, most curses or most hexes um, are done by people who don't really know what they're doing. Now, that's a good thing in the sense that they probably won't have a whole lot of power that they can generate behind it. But let's say somebody cuts you off in traffic and you swear at them, mm-hmm. wish them on. That's a form of black magic. Probably uh, it's not going to have a whole lot of impact on the other person unless you distract that person enough to have a car accident or something. But it's it happens all the time. And I think that most of us, um, who are on a spiritual path and are aware of this will try to not let ourselves go there. Or if we do, then we'll try to exit out and, you know, maybe do something to neutralize the energy. Hmm. Yeah, I think you, people do it accidentally all the time. And when it builds up, you uh-huh. know, we have a whole lot of people doing this all the time, getting angrier and angrier all the time. It creates some of the problems that. Uh, we see now, in my opinion, for example, that's one of the things that uh, has a big impact on our climate problems that we're having now. Is negative intention towards each other? Even negativity that's not um, not directed just specifically. Random. Yeah, just the random anger and the random uh, fear, particularly, I think, contribute greatly to the. Uh, what do you call it, the 
climate change problems or all of the natural catastrophes that we see, fires, earthquakes, floods, all of that. Most people are not even aware then that they're doing this. Right. I mean, most people, I don't even think, are aware of what they're thinking. Yes, true. <laughs> I mean, I, I went through a good part of my life not completely aware of what I was thinking until I learned how to kind of sit down and look at it. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's only been like, I would say, like the last 10 years that I've started to think like, I wonder if my thoughts affect other people. Like that idea of like somebody cuts me off and I get mad and I flip them the bird. And I'm also like, mm-hmm. man, I, I hope that energy doesn't actually work and go and mess up that person's day. It could. It's hard to shake off that you know, when it's directed at you. And uh, I'm sure you've had the experience of being affected by someone else's negativity or I someone have. else's anger. Yeah. And, and, and that in itself is, is I mean, I mean, it might not be a, um, the, the magic in, in that type of thing and, and the consequences of it does lead to some type of spiritual um awakening at least because you come aware of like oh my god like i'm having an effect on the world around me and -hmm. i think a lot of this a lot of people again like just like people don't like to notice their thoughts i think a lot of people don't want to take responsibility for their actions and how it is affecting the world around them and the people around them i agree with you but once we do then we move into a place of greater power because we don't we are no longer simply being acted upon by forces that we don't understand and it's not random you know then we can claim that power and use it for our own benefit or for the benefit of others or Mm -hmm. however we choose but we become um, the masters of our own destiny rather than just having it happen to us is it better to use magic to help other people than it is to use it for just um, my own personal gain? In my opinion, there's absolutely nothing wrong with using magic for your own purposes. I mean, that's what most of us probably do. And I, I often think of uh, magic as coming in three shades. There's white magic, which is done purely to gain um, connection with the higher realms of of, uh, experience, to gain spiritual knowledge and wisdom from the higher forces. Uh, Then gray magic, which is what most of us do to generate some sort of result for ourselves or for someone else. Uh, And then black magic, which is to do harm with intent. Hmm. But I, I don't see any reason why there would be necessarily any uh, why it would be better necessarily to do magic only for someone else rather than only for yourself. Because once again, we're all connected. So if you're doing something that benefits you and makes you uh, a better person and you interact in a, in a healthier way with your environment, that's going to have a positive effect on others too. Right. How about like with money though? Like, do you think it's okay to use it to try to like, like it's nice to have, um, you know, enough money to live and be able to sustain and to be okay. But mm-hmm. sometimes I, I wonder if there's like a, a limit like that. Like if you go overboard with it, 
that there might be consequences? Uh, I don't think it's the money so much. It's it, Money isn't the root of evil. It's the love of money that's the problem. Mm-hmm. If, it, if you allow it to control you, if it becomes so important and you're so obsessed with it that you're willing to do anything to get it, that's where the problems come in. The universe will provide. It's infinite. There's If I do prosperity magic to for myself, for my own gain, I'm not necessarily taking it from you. So there, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing prosperity magic. Um, and in fact, you know, a great many witches do prosperity magic. It's probably, well, love and money spells. Those are the main ones that right. people do. And it doesn't have to be bad at all. It's just, I think it's important to perhaps include in a spell for, well, for anything, but let's, we're talking about money now, that this be done in harmony with divine will my own true will and for the good of all concerned. And then you kind of cover your bases that you're not going to get money because of uh, insurance policy when a loved one dies. Is that the same uh, Same with like love spells too? Yeah. Because... Those are where most people go wrong. Because then you're... Because like if you don't do that with a love spell, they're kind of like trying to make somebody bend to your will, which might be against their will. Right, and that's that is a problem because you know your emotions get engaged. You maybe aren't thinking very clearly about this. You just want something, so yes, that's very common for people to attempt to manipulate a situation, manipulate a person that they think they want in their lives. But it's good to remember that um, by just focusing totally on one person that you think is the one you want, you may be blocking out somebody better from coming into your life. Right. Yeah, or, I mean, really, why would someone want to have um, a lover who doesn't, you know, not really that into you, you know, you'd be better off just putting out the energy for, you know, bring the person to me who's right for me in every way, and Mm -hmm. I'm right for him or her. More likely to get something that you really want. So, So we should be careful or put some thought into what we're doing. I usually suggest that people write it down. You know, let's say you are um, doing a spell for a love spell. Mm-hmm. Write down on paper exactly what it is that you want or what you what you admire in a partner, what kinds of things you want to draw to you, and then spend some time thinking through those things. What does this really mean to me? What is really important? Prioritize. And you want to leave some of it up to the universe also. Um, for example, I had a friend who... Um, was doing a prosperity spell and she wanted to uh, in her affirmation that she created it said something like that you know she earned the money through her own creative abilities I said wait a minute you're also blocking out good luck by this Uh, you know you want Mm -hmm. to keep the spell open open open-ended enough that the universe can act and not you know put limitations on so she reworked it and about a week later she got a um, income tax return that she hadn't expected to get. So, you know, you, you want to pin it down in the sense that you have a direction, you have some clarity about your intention, but I don't think you want to um, dot all the I's and cross all the T's. You want to leave a little bit of openness to um, have the universe bring you what you maybe aren't already aware of. Right. One of the things that I find interesting is my own, my, in my own life, my own experience, if I'm meant to have something, the universe will, will, will give it to me. Like, like if I need it. Like, like, 
Yeah, like like for example, like you know, I moved across the country about four years ago, and before I moved, like I had all these books, and I and I didn't want to move them. It was just like I'm not moving all these books. But I didn't want to give them up either, but I did. I just I gave them all away, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I just, and um, then I moved down here and I started a podcast, and now all of a sudden, tons of people just send me books for free. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, it's just like everything I gave away came back because I guess maybe I was just meant to have it. So it's like I can't even get rid of it. <laughs> well, I agree with you totally that the universe will give us what we need and what we want to a large extent. Um, but we have to make room for it. Um, I, I practice feng shui also. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a client once who was having money problems. And so I don't know if, how much you know about feng shui, but there's a section uh, in your home that's called the, the wealth gua or the wealth sector. And in her case, she had this huge closet full of clothes in the wealth section. It was so jam packed with stuff you couldn't even walk into the closet. So I said, well, you know, there's no room for anything more to come into your life. You're going to have to get rid of a bunch of this stuff before you can have any more money come in. So she did, and it worked. Yeah, that that makes sense. And as you were talking earlier about money spells, one of the real problems people have with money spells is this feeling of unworthiness, this guilt stuff that many of us were raised with. That's a tough one. It's not spiritual to have money. It's... uh, you have to get rid of that consciousness mm-hmm. and going to want to attract prosperity. And prosperity is more than just money. But if you are looking to create the abundance in your life, you have to feel you're worthy of it. And that's true whether it's love or whether it's friendship or career success or anything. You know, you're, you're your own worst enemy in many of these cases. That's definitely true. I, I bounce back and forth on that to this day. You know, mm-hmm. like like sometimes I think like, okay, well, if I'm a really a spiritual person, I should try to be less greedy. You know, I should just give up everything and go live in a cave, for example. For and um, and then there's the other side of me that thinks like, okay, well, as long as I have what I need, then I can help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so, so there are two sides to that same coin. Well. Asceticism works for some people. It doesn't work for others. And just are you doing more with your life and more good for others the way you are working now than you would be sitting in a cave meditating all the time? I guess so, because I'm doing it. (laughs) That's kind of my answer to it. This is what I'm doing, so it must be. I've also found that, um, once again, with money spells, if people are worried about it, they're desperate, they're really thinking all the time of lack and what they need and what they don't have, it's law of attraction. You're going to just keep attracting more lack and more um, more deficit, more bills and that sort of thing. You've got to let go of that and just um, believe that you are worthy and believe that you um, can have this. Hmm. Um, I found that at one point when I... Well, when I was younger and I was always struggling to make money and never felt like I had enough, um, I worried about it a lot. And then at a, one point in my life, money came came to me through an inheritance. All of a sudden, I started making a lot more money, too, because I was not worrying about it anymore. And that's that's part of magic, too. It's all about intention. It's all about where do you focus your energy? It's kind of cool. That's really kind of cool. Like, as soon as you kind of, like, 
let go worrying about it, then it automatically just comes. Because then you allow the universe to provide for you. You are in a position of trust. Hmm. What do you think is the force behind the universe that causes all this to happen? If I knew that, I would be um, an enlightened being myself. I, <laughs> I have no idea. I do believe that there are higher consciousnesses, maybe many, many levels of higher consciousness, some sort of a, um, a divine force, whatever that means. I don't see it as, you know, God with a long white beard sitting on a throne and, you know, telling some people they're good and they're going to be saved and some people are bad and they're going to go to hell. <laughs> but I do believe that there is a, um, a universal energetic power field that um, we're all part of. And that's a pretty vague definition, but <laughs> that's about the best I can come up with. I agree. I kind of think of the universe, too, as some kind of, it's almost like a, an electrical circuit. You know, if you open it up, the energy will flow. If you close it, it'll stop. Mm -hmm. It's pretty mm -hmm. like that. I don't think it's... Um, I don't even know if it's moral. Sometimes I think maybe it's just amoral. You know, mm -hmm. it just does what it does. It's not necessarily cons like like there's always going to be an opposite reaction because that's how it's set up to work with negative and positive energy. But whether it's actually um, concerned about it, I don't know. I would agree with you. I don't know either whether there is any sort of what we would call morality behind it. I think of it as a creative force and that's all that it is. And it, there may be some uh, divine purpose. Um, I don't know what that would be. I haven't been privy to that information. You know? <laughs> it's not like God or goddess comes down and has coffee with me in the morning and tells me you know, what's going on. Uh -huh. um, but probably your, your term amoral uh, would make more sense, at least to me. Me too. In, 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 in nature, just nature in general mm -hmm. is amoral, you know. It, it's not necessarily concerned about one thing being good and one thing being bad. It's more about the whole thing existing as a whole. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's why, you know, a, a, a lion can eat another animal because... That's what, that's we what do. it needs because that's it's, it's it's part of the whole system. It's not yeah. just this lion is being mean and killing something, mm -hmm. you know. And it may also just be one grand experiment, or we may never know what the purpose is. Right, but whose experiment is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, with have you ever? conjured or materialized a spirit? I have not intentionally done that. Um, spirits appear to me often, uh, quite, quite frequently, um, but I have not intentionally done it. And I see fairies and I, um, lots of different types of elementals and various beings and entities, but um, I don't call upon, well, I, I call upon the help of, for the help of my spirit guides, my own personal guides and guardians. Um, and when I'm doing some rituals, I'll ask for um, angels or other guardians to 
appear uh, if they choose to appear to participate in creating protection or um, whatever is necessary for that particular spell or ritual. Um, but not actually conjuring a particular spirit in the sense that, um, like, uh, the, the magicians from the Victorian era and earlier, mm-hmm. going back into the Renaissance, they're very big on that. A lot of the old grimoires, that's primarily what they, what they did. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've tried it, but nothing materialized. <laughs> you may be lucky that it didn't. I have talked to people who have uh, conjured spirits um, and gotten themselves into trouble. There's an old saying you may have heard, don't raise anything you can't put down. Mm-hmm. Because some of those entities are pretty powerful, and depending upon whom you invite into your life, uh, you may be opening a door that you don't want to open. Yeah, sometimes I think that might be true. Other times, I think maybe people that invite these negative energies into their lives, or, or you know, like demons or whatever, and mm-hmm. they, then they can't get rid of them. I wonder, too, if that's just a part of nature. There's something that that individual is supposed to learn from that experience. And that's why they're having, rather than it actually being some type of, oops, I, I didn't mean to do that. I think that's possible. I all kinds of possibilities. Like you said, it's something that you need to learn about or something within yourself that you need to confront. I think there are all kinds of possibilities. Yeah. I, I do, too. Also, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I think some of some of the magic is about too, and I mentioned that earlier about shadow work, is just making friends with that. So so much of magic is really hard to separate, for me anyway, from psychology, because the way we think and how we feel, and how we deal with, you know, things that we learned in the past that weren't correct. All those type of things seem to need to be resolved somehow, or at least dealt with, or acknowledged, before a person can really move forward in a magical type of uh, environment. I agree with you, yeah. We all have a lot of personal cleansing to do, because all that stuff will get in the way otherwise. Yeah. Or it can can block your ability to really channel the energy that you want to channel in the direction you want it to go without a whole lot of disruption. It's like static on a radio. Hmm. You want to be a clear, you want to have a clear channel if you're going to do effective magic. If you've got all this other stuff going on, uh, you know, it'll cause problems, disruptions. How is that handled? Like, how do people in a, like a wicked tradition or witchcraft deal with, with some of those type of things that cause people to have blocks or things that are in a way that prevent them from moving forward? We just keep working on it like all humans. I mean, uh, I personally think that meditation is an important part of um, training your mind and training yourself and um, becoming clearer and calmer. Um, I also do yoga. I've been doing yoga for 45 years, and that is something that is helpful to me. Um, You know, people will develop their own practices. Walking in nature is important to me, being close to nature. And that stepping away from technology, I think, is, is mm-hmm. very helpful. Uh, you know, technology has its purpose, but when you spend all your day on your cell phone, that's really not going to probably 
make you connected with all that is. It's going to separate you in your own little world. Yeah. That is definitely something I miss. It's just going out in the woods, camping with nothing. Where do you live now? I live in Alabama. So so it's definitely doable. It's just yeah. been the time to do it. And my wife's not too big of a camping person. She doesn't like insects. I don't like camping. I don't like insects and snakes either. <laughs> I'm a girl, but I can still go walk outside or sit on my back porch and watch the deer and the antelope and yeah. the birds and the, you know, all the other animals that are out there. Um, no, I don't like camping either, so I can, I can identify with that. But I do like to just sit beside the lake, or the, particularly in the ocean. When I lived in uh, Massachusetts, I lived right on the ocean every day if I could. I went down and sat by the ocean and, you know, tried to attune myself to the rhythms of the waves because it was uh, very mm -hmm. calming for me. But those are just things that I find. I mean, music, a lot of people like music. Dancing right. is another good way to um, help center yourself. I, I play an um, African drum, a djembe, and that helps me also to uh, the rhythmic motion, the, the sounds and the rhythms and the energy patterns that are created are very helpful for me. Hmm. Me too. I play. I've been playing guitar since I was a kid, and and I think that's really one of the first things. Like you know, where I would get in that zone where you know um, an hour feels like a minute mm -hmm. type of thing. You yeah. know, it's kind of like, whoa, what happened? You know, you just kind of it's almost like an out of body experience. You just kind of mm -hmm. get in that zone and, and, and almost like fly away. Absolutely. When, whenever you're doing something you love, um, whether it's painting or writing, and I tell people that um, when I'm writing and it's really working, I'm just the designated typist. I'm just sitting there and listening to whatever is being told to me. I'm not thinking it consciously myself. I'm just the receiver. And, you know, when you're playing music, I'm sure you feel that same thing. Mm -hmm. you know? I do. Writing is a little bit harder for me because I get hung up on grammar. No, don't worry about that. You can always get a good editor to clean it up. <laughs> I'm like, does a comma go here? Or is it a semicolon? <laughs> well, and then it just gets thrown off. Semicolons are kind of out of fashion. Now. You don't have to worry too much about that. But basically, uh, well, I've had about 50 books published now, and I've been writing wow. actually since before I started school. So um, it's been my life work forever. And I teach writing classes. And what I tell people is that even if you're a professional writer, that first draft you write is not going to be the final one. You're probably going to write at least three, maybe 10, maybe more before you get it right. So just start out and just write it. And don't worry about any of the small stuff. And just allow yourself to enjoy the process and open up to whatever comes to you. And then you can pin down the details later on. And in the end, I usually have couple editors, you know, I'll have a developmental editor, I'll have a copy editor, and they, I trust them and rely on them to do all the last cleanup stuff for me. Hmm. I will try that for my next book. Can you um, do it better through talking? Because a lot of people find that if they record themselves, it works better for them than writing because they don't get so tense. No, I, I, do, I do it better through writing. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's just typing. As long as I'm typing, I'm okay. I can't mm -hmm. handwrite anything because I can't read my handwriting. 
I don't write by hand much anymore either because it's too slow. I mean, I can type it about 100 words a minute, but I can't write that fast. <laughs> and I don't even ever print out any of my books. A lot of my friends do when they before they send it off to the editor. They do a hard copy and they read it through. I never do that. Hmm. Yeah, I do all my stuff on the computer too. You too. I mean, so far, I've only, I've only written one book, but now I'm starting to think about writing another one. We'll see. You'll do it when the time comes and when you make room for it. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing, I, it, it sounds like a cliche and it is, but you've got to see it as a job and you've got to do it every day or pretty much every day. I may not write every day, but I certainly will write at least six days a week. And I'm not as rigid as a lot of people. I mean, some people say I've got to write a thousand words today or I've got to write for two hours. I, I'm more like Faulkner. I write when I feel like it and I feel like it every day. Mm hmm. Do, do but you, you ever... do have to take it seriously and make it part of your life. It's a ritual like anything else. Yeah, kind of like what I do with this podcast. I do. Mm -hmm. Usually, well, today I'm doing four. <laughs> but, but yeah, you're doing four? Yeah, I'm doing four. You're wow. my second and I have two more <laughs> after this. Well, thank you for having me on. I really feel honored <laughs> you could fit me in. But, but, but typically, like, I, I do usually at least once, one a day mm -hmm. or, or more. Yeah. Um, it's sort of an art, like writing. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting. It's writing is different, though, because I think writing is more precise. Than a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. A podcast, I can just wing it. Where with writing, I, I have to kind of think a little bit harder. Yeah, I guess it depends on the individual. Now, some podcasts are very structured. And yours is a little bit more free-flowing. And that works works for you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, many of them are very structured. So. Yeah, some people actually plan questions and do all kinds of mm -hmm. editing and things like that, where mine's and just kind of like... And their PowerPoint presentations and all that. But um, most of the ones that I participate in are similar to yours. You know, they're much more uh, free-flowing and much more easy for the the querent myself, you know, to be to interact with you because I don't have to stay on this uh, exact question and answer format. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what I like to do. I like to give people to an opportunity to get their message out, not just answer my questions. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think is the most? Um, I think the word for. The most profound thing that happens to people when they start working with magic, like what's the biggest change that you see that happens with people? I would say it's when they actually see that it works. You know, it comes out of the realm of theory and into their lives and they see, wow, I did that. I brought that to me. That means that I can do this. And then they slip into the realm of, oh my God, I can do this, you know? I better be more attentive to what I'm doing because I do have the power to make this happen. But I think that also for me, it was being able to connect with the energies higher than myself, whether you call them guides or spirits, or um, I, I do work with um, beings on the other side who have been human but are no longer um, at this time, they're in the spirit realm. Uh, 
realizing that all these other entities, we share our, our world with all these other entities and that there are all these other realms of existence and all types of entities out there who occupy them. That becomes pretty pretty awesome experience for mm. people starting out in the world of magic. Hmm. Yeah, the idea that you can affect changing the universe is a kind of it's definitely a profound realization. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and also to it makes people more aware of their intention. Mm-hmm. Which is um, you know, like I say, most people, like even me, unaware sometimes of what my intention is. Um with the um do you work with like a coven or a group or anything? I have. I am not at this time. Uh, when I lived in Massachusetts, I worked with a group. But um, since I've moved to Texas, I've had, well, I worked for a while with a um, shamanic group here that uh, focused a lot on Native teachings, Native American teachings, because I live in South Central Texas now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot more of that. And I have worked with individual magic partners in the past. Um, now I have friends here who are also um, witches or, you know, magic workers in various traditions. Um, so, I have, you know, whether they're tarot readers or mediums or whatever their different field is. Uh, and we actually, in this very conservative Christian town that I live in, we now have two metaphysical shops, which is pretty cool, and um, a big holistic healing center that's going to open in November. So um, I'm waiting to see how that shakes down. So far, it's been okay. (laughs) But those people I can talk to about stuff, and we share ideas, and uh, I'll teach some astrology classes or some tarot classes, but it's not like I work with them in um, a more... Um, coven-like mm-hmm. group. I don't really... We do have people, though, who do rituals here. And when I first moved here, I conducted the, um, you know, the, the rituals on the, each of the sabbats in, in the Wheel of the Year, but that kind of fell apart after a while. Um, mm. I'm just kind of solitary now, but I talk to other people and interact with people who have or, of like-minded right. uh, sentiments. Yeah, there's not much of this either in South Alabama either. It's pretty conservative. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of people are afraid of it. It's basically just fear Mm -hmm. and misconceptions that people have. One of the funny things, too, um, like I'm originally from like New Jersey, New York area. Mm -hmm. And like up there, like yoga. Yoga is like everywhere. Like every every corner, there's there's a yoga studio. And I come down here, and I was really surprised to find out that people think that yoga is satanic. I know. And I'm like, how do you, how do you, where's that connection come from? Who told you that? <laughs> I know. Here, actually, we have a very active yoga community, but it's been around for a long time, too. But yes, there are people who think that that's uh, demonic. And then we also have, uh, I have a Reiki group that I belong to. Mm-hmm. People think that Reiki is from the devil, too. They're, basically, they don't have a clue what they're talking about. They're just operating from a place of fear. But they don't even know what it is. If you ask them, well, what do, what do you do in a yoga class? They have no idea. Hmm. 
Last night I was talking to, I was interviewing um, John Michael Greer. He's a droid. And I asked him this question about Reiki. Um, Do you think that Reiki is magic? Do I think that Reiki is magic? Yeah. Does that count as magic? Well, I think it's a type of healing magic, sure. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're channeling the energy of love which in my opinion is also coming from a higher source, or whether you call it a divine source or um, your own higher consciousness, but it's coming from a place of power. And so channeling that and focusing it for intent is a form of magic. I mean, that, all magic is, that's basically what all magic is. Yeah. Just, you know, um, using energy to create a result mm-hmm. and using your will to to affect that energy. But I think like a lot of people sort of separate, you know, the energy healing and magic. Like, oh, no, 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 I don't do a cult. I'm just an energy healer. <laughs> but they're really the same thing. Yeah, well, people th- tend to think the word occult means something bad, mm-hmm. but they, they don't realize it just means hidden. You know, it's the underlying uh, part of the, the underlying dynamic. It's secret. It's been kept hidden out of necessity because, you know, anybody who revealed what they were doing was persecuted. So, it, um, but occult really does not have any other meaning except hidden. I mean, there's occult blood, which is hidden blood. That's, is that satanic? You know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, it's just ignorance. Fear and ignorance are the, um, are the real demons, in my opinion. I agree. I completely agree that that's all it is, is people's, people are afraid of what they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And and even, you know, people who practice witchcraft or Wicca or cult or Druidism or any type of ma- magic or folk magic, you know, I think all of us can attest that would, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, why it works, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> You know, it's back. It's back to you know, like, you know, it's energy. That's what we know. We know we have energy. We're able to move it around with intention, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. It is. It's just. It's just there for anybody Maybe to use. Maybe we don't need to know how it works. I mean, I don't know how electricity works. I don't know how my car works. I have no idea how my computer works. And there are only a few of the icons on my cell phone that I understand. <laughs> but you know, I can use these things just as I use magic. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, we, we can use them, but we don't have to understand them. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's beyond our ability to comprehend. Right. I mean, certainly my car and my computer are beyond my capability to comprehend, but maybe, you know, the, the realm of magic and where this comes from and how it works and why it works, maybe those things are beyond our ability to understand anyway, as long as we're in the limited human world and the human form. Hmm. Do you ever do any type of astral projection or out-of-body work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do a lot of it. What, uh, what is your technique for astral projection? Well, the kind of uh, astral journeying that I do, um, it's, it's like putting myself into a deep trance, a deep meditation. Uh, and then I, through intent, um, go someplace that I've decided to go to. It might be the Pleiades, or it might be Titan, or, you know, wherever I happen to want to go. Um, And what's interesting to me is I don't 
do any research beforehand into the place that I'm going. So I'm not going to be influenced consciously about what I experience. Um, and then when I come back from that place, then I look it up and see, um, you know, if what I experienced is what um, what science or what what physically is out there. And it's fascinating to see how close it really is. I mean, usually what I experience is very, very similar to what, um, you know, what I find on the NASA website. Hmm. But I didn't know it beforehand. And then sometimes I'll go to a place that isn't physical. Um, one of them was a place called the, um, or I called it the place of yellow light or something to that effect. And then I read in one of Ca uh, Carlos Castaneda's books about the yellow sulfur world. And it was exactly the same as what I'd experienced. But I hadn't read about that beforehand. It's not a physical place. Um, and I do a lot of journeying into the place that um, spirits call, just call home. It's, it's the world, be, the, the realm, the non-physical realm where beings who have been human and passed into this other realm are in between um, incarnations, whether they're incarnations here or incarnations into other places. Mm. But this is where our spirit home is. Are you able to do any type of uh, mediumship? Yes, I've trained as a medium. That's cool. Do, do you think that, that doing this practice makes people more psychic? Do I think that... Like being doing, doing magic and makes poor people psychic, yeah. opens up those psychic centers. Yes, because you're paying attention to it. You know, you're allowing it to happen. You're believing in it. If you don't believe it, you're not, you, you heard this, the expression, you know, you'll see it when you believe it. And that's true. If you don't believe that something exists, you're not going to see it. You're not going to feel it. You're not going to experience it unless it's some kind of, there's some kind of need in your life for you to do that. It's like, you know, people who, um, have really traumatic experiences that wake up their consciousness. Um, uh, do you know who Danian Brinkley is? No. Um, he, wrote, he, was a, he was a very well-known psychic probably 20, 30 years ago. I'm not sure he's still alive, but he had been, I think it was a CIA operative. Um, and he was struck by lightning. Twice he was struck by lightning, not the same day, but... Um, and it woke up um, a, his psychic power that he didn't know he had. And he became, after that, a very well-known psychic and a very good one. He did a reading for me once, and uh, I interviewed him for a magazine article. And really interesting guy. But sometimes our psychic ability has to be awakened in a very uh, traumatic way if it's something that we need to, to have an awareness of. You know, And the more blocked you are, perhaps the harder it's going to hit you. And then some people just go through their whole lives and, you know, they just call it a coincidence when something happens when um, I'm not sure coincidences actually exist. I don't think they do. How about telepathy? Do you think everybody has the ability to use telepathy? I do. Some people have more ability than others. Um, being an astrologer, I tend to look at, uh, at people according to the astrological patterns in their birth charts. And, and I've found, and I'm not the only one, this is not new to me, I mean new from me, um, the people who have a lot of water signs in their birth charts tend to be 
more psychic, more intuitive than others. Um, I also think that it's a skill that you can train just like anything else. Mm. You know, you train to run a marathon, you train to be more psychic. You just have to practice it just like anything else. What does it mean when, like, like, like for example, my astrological sign is Capricorn. Mm-hmm. But I don't really have a lot of Capricorn traits, I don't think. Well, you, that's only where your sun is. You probably have all kinds of other stuff that you may or may not know of. Well, you do have all kinds of other stuff mm-hmm. you may or may not know about. Them. Interesting. You know, you've got all these other planets. What, where, do you know what degree your, set, your Capricorn sun is? No. Okay, when's your birthday? Uh, December 30th, 1967. Okay, so you already had this Pluto transit. There's a real powerful Pluto transit going on now for people who were born at the end of Capricorn. I'd have to look up and see exactly when it was hitting your sun. But people who were born like in mid-January, for example, now are really having major things happen in their life, major transformations. But I'd have to look yours up to tell you exactly where you were at that time. Hmm. Or exactly when it was hitting your son. Right. I did have somebody do a chart for me. And um, it seemed like a lot of aspects of my life, actually, I believe, were either from Pluto or Uranus. Were what? The, the Uranus. influence were coming from Pluto and Uranus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which was, so, like, you know, about the creativity and sort of being rebellious and spiritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have. Let me write you down, and I'll look you up again. And, okay, you said it's uh, twelve thirty. Yep. Twelve December thirty sixty seven. Yep. You know what time? About around five a.m. And where? Where were you born? Princeton, New Jersey. What is it called? Princeton, New Jersey. I don't. How do you spell it? I don't know that. Uh, P R I N C E T O N. P E T O N. Okay. I'll look you up and let you know. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Um, so before we wrap it up, are you working on anything else new? I'm actually working on something entirely different. Um, nothing metaphysical at all. I'm writing a series of murder mysteries that take place uh, in 1925 and 1926. The first one will be out next month. And it's a whole shift, but it's a lot of fun. My, hmm. The second in the series is very metaphysical. There's a lot of, uh, it takes place in a castle owned by a, a, a oddball occultist and all his friends. But the first one is very, not not anything metaphysical at all. It's just cool. fun. Yeah. Um, where can my listeners find you and find your books? Well, um it depends on which books they're looking for. I They can go to my website, and almost everything is on there. I'm having it updated as soon as I get the cover for this new mystery book, which I haven't seen yet. Um, and it doesn't have the fairies book on it, but my website has all the other books. Mm-hmm. And they can also just go to Amazon, just put my name in, and they'll all come up, except for, except for the mystery book, which isn't out yet. Well, my website is just skyalexander.com. It's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I will post a link to your website, and I'll also post a link to your books on Amazon in yeah. the notes of this episode so my listeners can check them out and purchase them. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. I, I've been getting your books. Um, I belong to, what is it, Amazon. 
not Prime. It's like Unlimited or something, where mm -hmm. I pay like ten bucks a month unless we download certain books, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and all and all yours are in there, so I'm able to like download them and read them all. Yeah, that's good. Some of them are available on. Um, well, most of my books are available as audio books too. If you ever, if you like audio books, um, and there's a um, one supplier called Chirp C H I R P that every day they have. Um, specials and you can, you know, sometimes get a book for a dollar, two dollars, something like that. And uh, BookBub does that too, I think. Hmm. The whole, whole bunch of places where you can get, you know, daily specials or monthly specials, that sort of thing, and get them at a significantly reduced rate. But you, in the business you're in, as you know, you can get in touch with the publishers and they'll send you uh, promotional copies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get tons of books. <laughs> yeah. So anytime you want to do that, you can. Just contact the publisher directly. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on. I enjoyed it. We got to do it again sometime. Absolutely. I enjoyed it too. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, it was fun. Thank you. Hang on one second. I just have to play my outro. Okay. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.